0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. The Duke Blue Devils with the Military Bulls. Your biggest heartbreaks. The Duke Blue Devils are going to set a record here this afternoon. Never before have they won 10 games in a season. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. 35, 40, and Leonard's loose. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here.
1: You're back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Team Week continues talking about the Duke Blue Devils going to the offensive side of the ball. And to give you a quick rundown of how good they were last season, they were fifth in the ACC in points per game, third in the ACC in yards per play, second in rushing touchdowns, a physical bunch they are, third in yards per rush and they led the ACC in turnover margin and were second in time of possession. When you put all those things together and you talk about an offense that runs the football with this type of efficiency, you lead the league in turnover margin and you're second in time of possession, you're going to be one of the better offenses in the league and they are led by Riley Leonard Just the second Duke quarterback in program history to rush for 600-plus yards, throw for 2,000-plus yards in a single season. Also one of two FBS quarterbacks to rush for 13-plus rushing touchdowns and pass for 20 touchdowns as well. And then you just look at this offense. Again, we discussed 18 starters returning on this team in totality, and all of the key skill guys are back. Whether you talk about running back Jordan Waters, who rushed for eight touchdowns, we just talked about him. Uh, They also have at wide receiver. They feature Jalen Calhoun, a guy that I voted for sure, first team all ACC preseason. He had 62 receptions, four touchdowns. J5 is nice, man. That's what his teammates call him, J5, and he's also nice as far as in the special teams game, too, man. Kind of puts you in the mind of Jamison Crowder uh, with what he does for this Duke football team. Jordan Moore returns, 656 yards on 60 catches. He had and five scores. And, oh, yeah, got to give love to the big dogs. Graham Barton out there at offensive tackle, holding it down. One of the only... FBS tackles to have an 85-plus run and pass blocking grade. Folks, this is one of the best offensive linemen that you haven't heard of. He was PFF's number one returning offensive tackle in college football. So the Duke Blue Devils, they're definitely working with some things in that cupboard in Durham. All right, so
0: Mike Elko, we praised him yesterday. Maybe we'll do so a little bit more so tomorrow because of him being a defensive guy. And and I'm that's sorry, when he we'll was
1: t- number two returning. Sorry to control.
0: No, you're good. Yeah. So we'll talk about Mike Elko a little bit more in detail tomorrow discussing the defense. But offensively, you know, I got to give some love to the OCs that are undersung. And Kevin Johns is that guy for the Duke Blue Devils. This is why... Duke had such a good season last year, and maybe why so many people didn't think they were going to have a good year, because you talk about the same group that offensive guru David Cutcliffe recruited to that program, the same group that David Cutcliffe could not win a conference game with. Kevin Johns comes in and has them ranking among the top offenses, not only in just the conference, where they're ranking top five in a bunch of traditional categories, but even nationally. This is a Duke offense that was finishing 42nd in total points, and you're also finishing 36th in yardage, I believe. Maybe I have that backwards. So yeah, fifth in scoring in the conference, 36th in scoring, 42nd in total offense. Just to get that correct. That's remarkable for someone in Riley Leonard who makes a monster jump from two seasons ago to what he was able to uh, do last year. And same thing, even losing a guy like Mateo Duran, as we talked about being one of the more underrated running backs in the entire country. You lose him and you're still able to manufacture a nice rushing total with your guy, Riley Leonard, leading the way. This offense, I do not expect to drop off. They have that top tackle you're talking about returning in Barton. Uh, Where's the weakness? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Wes, we see this team perform and outperform expectations last year and perform among the best units in all of college football. Where's the weakness? Uh, This is why I think so many people, and not enough people, I should say, are high on Duke. There, There should be more, especially with pro football focus, ranking Riley Leonard as the fifth best NFL quarterback draft prospect in all of college football. One spot above? Jordan Travis as you had him yesterday.
1: Listen, man, I try to tell the people, you know, I'm no uh, you know, Nostradamus but I try to tell people a little (laughs) bit of something that I think I know and so you talk about Coach Leonard and that offense and so Riley Leonard set single season school records for touchdowns responsible for most games with one plus touchdown pass, a touchdown to interception ratio of 3.33 to 1 and a pass completion to interception ratio of 41.67 to 1. So all those are very impressive numbers. They went from last in the ACC in 2021 to 5th, 5th, and 7th. And scoring offense, total touchdowns, and passing touchdowns. And they improved in pass efficiency, 11th in 2021 to 5th in 2022. Man, so this is a unit that's locked and loaded. They have continuity, which is great. And I think when you listen to Graham Barton talk, he just talks about and this whole program. They just talk about the chip that they have on their shoulder. And this is one of the reasons why I am picking them to upset Duke. And I am picking them to have a similar type of season to what they had last year. Because these are all guys that they're coming in. They know what they're doing. There doesn't have to be a lot of assimilation, especially when you talk about offensively. There are some things perhaps to show up on defense that we'll talk about tomorrow. But I mean, you're loaded. You you just look at the backfield that they've got three to four backs. All of these guys have experience. Riley Leonard coming back at quarterback, the receivers. I mean, you talk about the continuity between quarterbacks and receivers. All of his guys are back. Eli Panko, Jordan Moore and Jalen Calhoun and all of these guys can make play and you don't need to rely on him Wes I mean you, you
0: have a running game that is going to be very strong and they're old these are not younger dudes right yes. here we are talking about so many returnees where you have senior backs and Jalen Coleman Jordan Waters as you mentioned you also have older offensive linemen interior lineman Jacob Monk and Maurice McIntyre on top of the left tackle returning who's going to be an NFL stud and certainly a stud prospect and Graham Barton The only thing I would say is Riley Leonard needs to be a little more consistent with his accuracy. If you look at his play under pressure, it wasn't great last season. And you look at his adjusted completion percentage coming in at 69% on true dropbacks. So that was just a season ago. What's scary is he was that effective and accuracy. I expect to improve this season. I expect his play under pressure being an older quarterback. Now having a year starting under his belt, I expect him to play better under pressure. And... I don't expect him to be running for his life all that much anyway. So when it does happen, are those the plays that Riley Leonard can then make for himself, right? Because I wouldn't call him a game manager. I don't know if you run for 700 yards and really become a game manager, especially 20 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 700 rushing yards, double-digit rushing touchdowns. Nobody's calling him a game manager. But... Can you make the plays when there is that rare pressure in the backfield? Can you make the plays that do turn a negative into a positive? And then that only ups your draft stock even more so. That's the next step. And once he makes that step, then you are talking about a guy that is among the best college quarterbacks in the entire country, and I expect him to take that next
1: step. Yeah, and this is such a methodical unit. This is such a balanced unit when you look at this offense and what they were able to do, and last season's Blue Devil squad was the eighth team in program history to register 2,000 passing and rushing yards in the same season, so it's a balanced attack as well. You can't just come in and say, oh, we're going to stop this guy. We're going to take away this aspect of their game because they can get it done in a multitude of ways, we talked about how many close football games that they lost last season, the four touchdowns. I mean, the four games that they lost by a touchdown or less. And then talking about Jalen Calhoun, the best to a lot of people haven't heard of. Third team, all ACC last year is a wide receiver and a return specialist. This guy had 62 catches last year. I talked about averaging around 14 yards per catch. Then he had a team-high uh, nine punt returns, averaged almost 13 yards a punt return. So he's dangerous in those respects as well. So this is a guy that's just an all-around playmaker, and he's the number one guy out there. But then when you watch Duke football last year, you see Jordan Moore and Eli Panko making crazy catches all over the field as well. So, again, there's just so much to like about this Duke offense. It would be a real disappointment if they came out and took a step back in 2023 when you talk about all the continuity that this unit has as hungry as this team is i don't see a way that they take a step back uh you never know but this unit looks like they're going to be one of the best in the acc
0: it might be a camouflaged step back where it's not real that they're taking a step back but their record isn't as good as it was last year i could see that happening because the schedule is more tough for duke coming into this season But as we continue to talk about two more closing statements, I'll say about Duke's offense. One, there's an article on the off, you know, the the Fan Network, Fan Nation, for the Texas A and M Aggies discussing why they should hire Kevin Johns as their offensive coordinator if it doesn't work out this upcoming season. They wanted Kevin Johns to be that guy before, I believe, Bobby Petrino took over that spot for Texas A&M. And Kevin Johns coming over, you already have a little bit of publicity surrounding him. So, maybe after this season, he leaves, but there's enough incentive for Johns to just get paid a little bit more elsewhere, right? So, there's incentive for the OC, and he's already made this much progress with a guy like Riley Leonard. And then, as we talk about playing under pressure the adjusted completion percentage maybe needed to raise a little bit more in this upcoming season it's not like he's turning the ball over as we mentioned with the six interceptions his overall turnover worthy play percentage so that actually is accounting for the context here some guys might throw a pass that bounces off of a defender's hands and then ends up in his receiver's hands it was a turnover worthy play but it didn't count as a turnover or an interception but even so even accounting for context The turnover-worthy play percentage was only 1.7%. That tied with Bo Nix as the second-best mark behind Michael Penix Jr. of Washington among the group of quarterbacks looking to make that step up into the NFL. So this guy is going to be talked about is going to be talked about among the best college quarterbacks in the entire country as long as he doesn't take any step back, and both of us don't expect that to happen.
1: And low-key, man, I know Duke hasn't had the greatest program, obviously, when you talk about the totality, but now with Riley Leonard stepping in there, playing quarterback uh, the way that he has, then you look at Daniel Jones and what he was able to do while he was there. You talk about other quarterbacks like a Thad Lewis. Duke always kind of low-key, has a productive Solid quarterback under center. I mean, give or take a few years, but do they have a little bit of a quarterback tradition in Durham?
0: They're, they're starting to. They're starting to get guys to the NFL. By the way, Fitty and wait, what's going on? Why are you saying that you don't think that they have a little bit of a quarterback tradition? A little bit. What's 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 this quarterback
2: tradition you got going on right now? Well,
0: they now? get guys to the NFL. You got you got Daniel Jones in the NFL. Yes, which is a first round pick. They have Thaddeus Lewis a few years back when he was. That was able like to get,
2: 15 years ago.
0: I mean, yes, but you have a little bit of a tradition. We're not saying that it's a monstrous tradition, but you do have guys that get to the NFL with that spot. Who was the guy? Was it Renfree? Yeah, yeah, Sean yeah, you, you So you Renfrey. have NFL players at that spot. I mean, it's no, they're not going out and making playoff appearances and being franchise QBs. Right, but, but that's why you, we put yeah. emphasis
1: on little bit. Yeah. And you talk about a Riley Leonard's. Draft status continues to ascend, and let's just say he ends up being a second round, third round, or maybe even a first round pick at quarterback coming off of the heels of Daniel Jones being a top ten selection in the NFL draft. You have to kind of start looking at that just a little bit and saying Duke is producing a few quarterbacks.
0: Flounder has uh, a take on this as well as he steals the mic from drum. What do you have for us here, flounder?
2: what? what? I am not. Knocking you for the Duke take That's not a horrendous take Anthony Boone by the way would have been an NFL quarterback He doesn't get hurt in a car accident as well Um you said,
0: who, what I've is heard the it pronounced the, both ways. I knew not, you were laughing. That is not. I knew you were laughing at Michael right. Penix. That was, yeah, no, t- it's, Stop it's it. definitely not Penis. Yeah, I, I heard it pronounced no. a couple of different, not, different ways. It is definitely yes, not Penis. Yes, no, it is not. And I looked at you, by the what way. What the hell? A couple of days in <laughs> That's a concerning. row, concerning. A couple of days in a row, you've been hanging out in the studio, and I don't know what you're doing. on He's in time out. What what are you doing on the ground am, over I there in the corner? I am
2: frantically writing the article about Devontae Walker. But there's a
0: chance My here man, always you're working. on the ground. You're crouched over like you're about to sneak up on young freshman incoming drum over here. I'm giving him Why his room. Why don't you stop I'm being weird him in the studio over and then here. stealing the people's
1: mic? God, you're a hater, man, man, this is his example of radio, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, well, when we come back... On the Weston Walker Show, we're going to have a lot of sound, Carolina Panthers, sound, talking, nothing but Panthers on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. By the way, we gave an assignment to our research team, Drum taking over, and he actually found out the question we asked. It's the first time we've ever had the research team answer us when we give them a request or a demand. And he did say that Roscoe Paris was actually related to who is the running back Henry again. Paris. Say Henry one time.
1: Paris, Jr. He yeah. tried to drown out my mic. Distant cousin.
0: Distant cousin is Roscoe Paris, so we appreciate Drum and the research team for working so hard. Let's get back to some Carolina Panthers conversation after mispronouncing college quarterbacks' last names that sound (laughs) inappropriate. 704-570-9610. You can feel free to text us your thoughts and comments on some takes that not only Mike Florio had, but Chris Sims, a part of Pro Football Talk and NFL on NBC, their podcast that they put out there. They were discussing the pressure on Bryce Young and the situation that Bryce Young is in. Florio... Called it a tough situation, and then Chris Sims, well, he mimicked that same thing a little afterwards. Usually, with the number one pick, it's you know changing the culture, changing the way we view things, right? That's 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 what Joe Burrow did. The bangles. Ew, ew, ew. and now like we've <laughs> joked, we joked about two weeks ago. Now it's like, damn, they're cool. Look at the bangles. They're even. You know, I know Mahomes was the number one pick, but same thing there. Can you enforce your will? And you're the way you are as a person to get it to permeate through the rest of the organization, and that'll take some time, and it's going to take some support and some people around him to help him the right way, and the coaching staff and the players, so he can finally show his true abilities. And and yeah, you do need some patience. To your point, Hunter wrote in on the text line. That people look at the name the Carolina Panthers and think about what they've done the last three years, which is a lot of nothing. It's a lot of not getting to the NFL playoffs. Last year, the second half of the season, Steve Wilkes, more than the second half of the season, Steve Wilkes takes over after Matt Rule was the first coach fired in season. And then Wilkes leads them to a respectable record, especially with what they especially with the start that they got off to. and Baker Mayfield having the worst season of his NFL career, which by the way, if you're paying attention to NFL training camp reports, it looks like Kyle Trask actually might be the starter in Tampa Bay that Baker Mayfield is playing. So far that this
1: morning as well.
0: Yeah. We saw that here last year too. <laughs> and It was so bad. Anyways, Wilkes takes over and the culture already changes. This is why the situation is good, Wes. It's the very thing that they're arguing against, I'm arguing for, as to why this actually is going to work for Bryce Young. They're saying when you're the number one overall pick, you got to come in and change the culture, and everybody's going to look to you. Yeah, you're going to become a leader, but the culture already started to change last year. It's why people wanted Steve Wilkes to be their head coach. Change, just like that. As soon as Matt Rule steps out of the organization, Wilkes takes over. Sounds like a grown-up in press conferences leads them to a seven-win season after the start that they got off to with Sam Darnold as their quarterback. Sam Darnold playing respectably and a lot better than he ever had on a consistent basis this past year under Steve Wilkes than he had at all under Matt Rule. You had the first three-and-zero start in the second year for Matt Rule, and after that it went terribly wrong. We know the story. But this is not a situation that I view as some, oh, awful number one overall pick gets drafted to a bad organization. This is exactly what happens when Carolina trades up to go get them from the number nine spot. You're not getting drafted by a team that was so bad last year, they earned the number one pick. This is a team that traded up, and yeah, they get rid of DJ Moore, but the offensive line's good. The coaching staff is good. The defense looks like they could take a big old step up yeah, you have pressure. No doubt about it. But as somebody else wrote it on the text line, doesn't that come with every number one overall pick and every top taken quarterback? i don't I don't expect this to be so tough for Bryce Young to deal with and the very points they were arguing for their case, I'm taking those same things and using them for my case. I don't get their point on some of that.
1: Yeah, and so I think he did bring some good points to the table, though, when he talked about how quickly organizations' uh, perceptions can change. Because when you want to look at uh, prior to Joe Burrow uh, getting there, the Bengals had the reputation of just a franchise. Like he said, ugh, ugh, ugh. all of the noises, <laughs> man, all it takes is getting that right quarterback in there. I know as a San Francisco 49er fan of years that they didn't have quarterbacks and how bad – it was, and then you start to get a a stigma about your franchise, and I think Carolina uh, has one of those to where people do look at it and think that this is some gargantuan undertaking that Bryce Young has now as being the number one pick when they've shown a lot of competence this offseason, especially with what they've insulated their top pick with. There are a lot of organizations that don't do it the right way. I get it if you want to act that way with the Raiders or the Browns or the Texans, one of those organizations that don't have a winning pedigree and that's not to say the Panthers are the Pittsburgh Steelers when you talk about having six Lombardis there but this offseason they've definitely shown that they wanted to turn things around and I think that's a very understated uh, thing about this franchise because that's hard for some franchises to do. How many years have we looked at the Raiders year after year after year just continue to make bonehead decisions whether it's coaching, whether it's players, whether no, no matter what it is, the Cleveland Browns, they seem like they've gotten a little bit more uh, competency with the head coach that they now have in place, but there are organizations who make bad decisions year in and year out, and it seems like Carolina has finally gotten things right and especially they have the right type of quarterback to usher this franchise in uh into the next era when you talk about a level headed super smart kid that's very very pedigree, that's the perfect type of guy that you want to have to be able to change culture. We've already seen it already from the players talking about the impact that he's had on the locker room how much guys don't want to disappoint him uh, when it comes to being prepared so that's where it starts and so I think he can have a Joe Burrow type of impact on this franchise and turn things around
0: Chris Sims brings up Joe Burrow so do you Von Bell was asked about Joe Burrow earlier today on Mac and Bone how Bryce Young compares to the quarterback up in Cincinnati here's what the former Bengals safety had to say Uh, quiet assassins um, you know he sees the field well uh, progression just smart Intuitive to the game if you look at what Joe Burrow did his first year in the league, they finished two, seven, and one in the ten games that Burrow played before his a c l got torn. He had thirteen touchdown passes, five interceptions. If you talk about what he'd be on pace to get, you're probably talking about a thirty six hundred yard. I have not done the math usually bad things happen when I try, but just to project and not put real math behind it, so I can hide behind it thirty six hundred yards passing, maybe. You know, 26, maybe you just doubled some of the stuff he did. It'd probably be a little bit under, but you get the idea. Looks like a very respectable, oh, good things are on their way in the future, but not anything absolutely astonishing from Joe Burrow in his rookie season. Next year, he explodes 4,600 yards off of an injury, mind you. 4,600 yards passing, 34 touchdown passes, 14 interceptions, and led the league in completion percentage at 70%. You also get the help from a immediate contributor in Jamar Chase, the guy that he also had familiarity with playing in LSU's offense a couple of years prior. And this third year we see Joe Burrow put up very similar numbers. It's not crazy to think that Bryce Young can have that kind of ascension into what Joe Burrow did to the start of his career. Maybe you don't get to a Super Bowl in your second season. If you want to say, "Oh well Bryce Young is not going to get to the championship game. Okay. Maybe you're right. But when you talk about what Bryce Young can do, at least in the box score, you look at the total stats that he'll finish with, and you look at Carolina getting to the postseason, which they haven't done in quite some time, I could see a Joe Burrow type of ascension for somebody that I've always liked that comparison, as I mentioned earlier, just given what they have physically. Because outside of the height, I do like the way that these two compare, given the way they play given the way that they can use their legs, but they're not going to come up with a bunch of rushing yards every single season, but they're very mobile and that they don't have any elite physical trait. I love the way they compare not only in what they've accomplished in college, but what Bryce Young could accomplish. I, I think it looks very similar.
1: Well, and not only that, because I was one of those people, I didn't see what the Cincinnati Bengals have been able to do coming. I didn't see Joe Burrow going in and turning them into a perennial AFC contender. And so that's the thing. People speculate. They just don't know until you know. Like I said, people can say all day what they think that Bryce Young will do, what they think uh the impact he will have on this franchise. And to your point about saying that he's not going to go to the championship game, well, who thought the Bengals were about to be doing that? So anybody that tries to bring that point to the table and it's like, oh, they're not going to go to the NFC championship game. Well, hell, you didn't know that about the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think that when you have a guy that can come in and, and, and do the things that Bryce Young has been able to do. And so far he's been everything as advertised according to the coaches and the players then I think there's no limit on the type of impact uh, that he can have because it's not just regular conjecture or it's not tempered conjecture where you have guys being like, well, I don't know, you know, he's got a chance to be good, but he's still got a long way to go. No, you hear glowing things from teammates. You hear glowing things from coaches, and this is a young man, in my opinion, that's going to come in and have a quick transition and have this team on a fast track to winning.
0: One thing Cincinnati has very clear working in their favor compared to Carolina, it's the wide receiver core, okay? They have T. Higgins as their number two wideout, would be number one for a lot of different franchises. Jamar Chase, probably a top three wide receiver in the NFL today, couldn't put him any lower than top five, and he has the familiarity with Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow in his second season in the NFL was also sacked more than any other NFL quarterback being dropped 51 times behind the line of scrimmage for a total of 370 yards lost. Bryce Young is going to have a better offensive line. He is going to have a better offensive line the first year he steps into the NFL compared to what Joe had his first season and even his second season. Defensively, I could see both of these teams take very similar steps, right? Like, defensively, we saw Cincinnati's defense under Lou Anarumo, who looks like a great defensive play caller. You saw that. You saw what they were able to do against Kansas City in 2021. You were able to see what they were able to do in 2022. Oh, yeah. And we went and got one of their guys. And Von Bell, one of the people that allowed that defense to be so good. And we got a pretty good edge rusher over this way in Brian Burns, who, yeah, he needs to get paid. But he's not holding out. So he's going to play. I just... There are a lot of similarities, in my opinion. I I don't love every time someone enters the NFL, oh, well, it's going to be this exact trajectory. It's going to be that. Yeah, there's nuances here, but a lot line up, Wes. I mean, I can't help it. I see a lot of similarities in in these circumstances.
1: And so the thing is, too, and the thing that I've said in conversations that we've had about Joe Burrow is just uh, seeing him with – without top flight weapons. And so you saw T Higgins and what he was able to do in his rookie year, 900 yards that first year with six scores. And then you get Jamar chase that absolutely explodes uh, upon the scene. And so I say all that to say that you've got the time. So granted Bryce Young doesn't get hurt like Joe Burrow does that first season, but you also have a young Mingo who not to say that he's going to put up T Higgins type numbers. He looks a that lot first better now. Season, yeah. but he looks like a guy that could be ready to contribute and Maybe at worst end up being that number two receiver, like T. Higgins turned into your objective. For the next offseason is to go out and find that guy that could be your number one, that could be your Jamar Chase. So uh, there's time for him to get those types of weapons because if there's anything that I ever say about Joe Burrow, it's just the fact that uh, he's had a great array of weapons since he's come uh, into the league and he's got one of the best receiving cores uh, right now.
0: You bring up Jonathan Mingo. It does look like Terrace Marshall Jr. and Jonathan Mingo are getting more love as camp moves on. In fact, a lot more uh you saw sam monson tweet out jonathan mingo is a wide receiver god i think is the term he used because of the reception or the, the reception but also the separation uh, he dropped a defensive back in coverage he also had a lot of separation but dropped a pass in the end zone but mingo is starting to make some impressive you know plays out there right now and so is Terrace marshall jr so it's nice that now i think you can officially say Every receiver has had their stretch under the sun. I did want to go to the defensive side of the ball before we go to our visit to the mound segment coming up at one45 Let's hear from not only Von Bell talking about the Bryce Young comparisons, but here's Derek Brown discussing a new defensive coordinator in town and how the installs of Averro's defense have been going.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we came out and implemented our scheme. You know, Coach E put in a new scheme this offseason. It was new for everybody. So, uh, you know, I think from day one it was, you know, get as much of this scheme in as you can. You know, hope that the guys remember as much as they can before Damn. we got ready to go on break and we came back. And, you know, I felt like a lot of people rem- remember most of it. So, I mean, we went straight into camp rolling with it, uh, straight into pretty long installs. So, yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was a lot. But, I mean, I think we're pretty much in defensively. defensively so, now we're just correcting the errors.
0: I like that answer. I like that they're not picking it up real easy, so that means it's not too simple and offenses won't pick it up real easy, but also it doesn't seem to be too hard to the point where they can't figure it out by week one. I like that answer from Derek Brown. One more soundbite from Derek Brown talking about his role in this defense and how it's a little overstated whether he's going to be on the edge or in the middle as we would see in uh, defenses previously.
1: I think it's kind of over bloated. I mean, I'm really doing the same thing, you yeah. know, as I was last year. So it's been, uh, it's been great, man, to be honest. Um, just kind of getting different looks and, you know, being able to play all over the place. I mean, I'm excited about it going into the season. Have you ever been overbloated?
0: Yeah, big time. Especially when you drink a lot of beer. I was over bloated on Saturday <laughs> after the wedding. Drinking a lot of beer. Now, the problem is I mixed in some liquor drinks and then yeah. I had to call it quits at midnight. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mixed in the liquor and I needed to go straight to the hotel room. A little bit of brown. Yes, yeah, some old oh, fashions okay. All right, there. I yeah. got us off track. Sorry. All right, go ahead. Uh, no, enough about me being over bloated. Do you think that Derek Brown is correct in saying that that role has been, quote, over bloated when we asked that
1: question? uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know because I don't know how much – they're actually playing in 34 defense. I mean, they say it's the base, so I think that's going to be most downs that they're going to play that and for him having different responsibilities. So if he sees it that way, I mean, we're going to see once he gets out there uh, on the football field.
0: Yeah, but I even think your question about it lends itself to what Derek Brown was discussing because we don't know. Yeah, And if Derek Brown is playing better inside, then... Guess what they're going to do with the first round pick that you think they plan to pay and that finished with such a high grade on Pro Football Focus? And it was pretty clear. Like, this is not one of those performances where you need to type somebody's name into PFF and have them tell you if they improved. We could all see it. Mm-hmm. We all saw Derrick Brown in the backfield a lot more frequently than what he was his first two years into the league. And so if that's what he does best, and apparently he's making great plays in training camp right now. Averro's defense, I've always said this, as soon as he was hired as the defensive coordinator. Yes, you can talk about a base odd man front, but he is going to be multiple with his looks. And that's where you have chess pieces like Jeremy Chin, Frankie Luvu, now Deion Jones coming into play, but also Derek Brown up front. I trust in his ability enough to be put in any situation and be successful.
1: Well, too, what you can also add to that is he could probably be talking about the fact that, yeah, he may start the down as a 3-4 defensive end, but then you rush one guy and it becomes a four-man rush. and So then he gets a a one-on-one matchup or going up against guards like he's accustomed to. So there's a lot of different ways to uh, interpret this thing. And I think the times where his – 3-4 defensive end will kick in the most. We'll probably be on rundowns. Uh, that, that will be it. But I think on pass rush downs and downs, they want to get a little funky with the blitz. I think that's when you'll get to see some of the more exotic uh, type of looks that they have because now the versatility, especially in that linebacking core, is going to allow them to give a, a lot of different looks.
0: Well, and here's something a lot of people aren't talking about. It's always been opposite edge rusher Brian Burns. Who's it going to be? They bring in Justin Houston. Fantastic. You know, I've been calling for that. Have we not been looking into Derek Brown's pressure rate enough? So if he is someone that is playing on the outside in an odd man front, then is Derek Brown someone that could help Brian Burns a little more this year with his ability to rush the passer from the middle, but also now you can move him around. How many sacks are a part of his ceiling? Could we see seven sacks for Derek Brown? Because everybody's pointing to that number specifically saying, Hey, Frankie Louvu could be that guy. I see what Derek Brown, I see that potential with him. That's why he was a top 10 pick. It's because the rare blend of athleticism and just pure strength where he just mows over dudes, puts them into the ground. We see the real power here, but also the speed is there. That's why he was a top 10 pick. Wes, I think that ceiling is within reach for him.
1: He's got a chance, uh, no question about it. Especially, like I said, in the defense that's going to do multiple different things because the idea of a blitz is to create matchups. That's what you want to do. And can you get Derek Brown on a matchup enough to where he can win one-on-one battles and get back there to the quarterback to be able to bother them? And that's the main thing that you want to do with your front is to create one-on-one matchups, and then it comes down to the players to win their individual matchups.
0: 40 total pressures recorded last year. Yeah. It's a lot. That's what you want. From a defensive tackle, out of all the, hey, they're not getting home. Yeah, for sure. They need somebody on the opposite side, but 40 total pressures. All right. From going to talking about an odd man front to going to an odd man. It's I like time that. now for a Fiddy Flash. <laughs> what you got for us, Fiddy? Fiddy.
2: So we had a uh, NCAA denying one waiver request for a UNC player. Now we got one involving a Florida State player. According to Mike Norvell, the NCAA, the NCAA has denied a hardship request that would have allowed Seminoles defensive tackle Darrell Jackson Jr. to play this season. Jackson began his career at, my, at Maryland in 2021 before using his one-time transfer to go to Miami. Jackson transferred to Florida State this past offseason to be closer to his mother who has a medical condition.
0: Oh, it's a great look, NCAA. Great look.
2: He released a statement saying, quote, hurtful because I know what I have come home for. We see this every year where players are transferring back home to be closer to their family who has, you know, someone with an illness or something like that. And these guys get denied. But JT Daniels has traveled in every time zone in this country. It doesn't get tonight.
0: Yeah, and even this statement, by the way, from Tez Walker before we move on. Tez Walker had a statement about him being denied because of the multiple transfer rule. He said, I want this to be over. I want to stop feeling like this. I just want to play. I want my grandmother to come watch me. I want to be a student and an athlete, and I hope those in charge give me that opportunity. Yeah, not a great look from the NCAA.
1: Yeah, that's big trash, man, and I thought at this point the kids could just transfer and go wherever they wanted to uh, without being stopped, so I just don't understand what the NCAA is doing and how they are determining who can transfer where and do what.
0: David Hale tweeting that quote Crash. from Tez Walker out a David Hale joins where you can find him on X or find him on Twitter. Visit to the mound. We all take one. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ here in the Planet Kia studio Sports Radio 927 WFNZ always broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios. Unless you're on Homer Hill, like Mac and Bone were earlier today at Panthers Training Camp. Planet Kia is the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at PlanetKiaNC.com. Again, that's PlanetKiaNC.com. Time now to go to a visit to the mound with one Josh Fiddy Marlowe. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, batter. It's going to be a short game and i got to get home for lunch. My dog is
1: as ugly as you. I'd shave his butt and tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked. She's naked.
2: You
1: think she'd go out with me? Ah!
2: One might think that we're going to do the stuff involving the Orioles in this visit to the mound, but we're doing that in the live wire. All right. Because we need to have a little bit more time to just mm. talk about this, the stupidity and how much that organization made an ass
0: of itself. Do the officials need to bring their whistles for that segment? I, I mean, look, here's Maybe. the thing.
2: I've got it queued up and ready because we all have different... I'll join you. It can be a
0: double flagrant.
2: So, you know, we we may all go off on on the Orioles. That's not what this visit to the mound is about. We're going to talk about the actual happenings on the diamond. And last night, guys, more history for Shohei Ohtani. In their seventh straight loss, Ohtani became the first player ever to record 40 home runs, and have 15 stolen bases in a team's first 115 games. Wes's guy, Ken Griffey Jr., did the same thing, but did so in 120 games. And, you know, while the Angels are falling out of the wild card race in the AL, the biggest talking point around him is, is he having the best season ever? And with what he's doing at the plate, what he's doing on the mound, and what he's doing as a base runner, It's becoming harder and harder for that answer to be no.
0: He's batting 300 this year. It's the one thing that you could argue that he's not an elite hitter. But now he's batting 300. He has 82 RBIs at this point in the season. And as you mentioned, 40 home runs, over 15 stolen bases in 115 games, something Ken Griffey Jr. has not done. We're giving you historical stats, by the way and not including pitching stats for this guy. That's crazy, considering how good of a year that he's having on the mound. I hate the Angels so much for losing seven straight and not allowing this guy to get to the postseason.
1: I mean, it's been absolutely ridiculous. They took the gamble at the trade deadline, and it has not paid off. They're now being given a 2.1% chance to make the playoffs, according to Fangrass. And on the day of the deadline, they had a almost 15 15- percent chance, man, and the 22.7 percent chance they had when they made the trade to acquire Lucas Jolito and Ronaldo Lopez. There you go. I mean, they just White Sox floundering. Guys. Looks like Otani's going to get out of town. They're not going to get anything for him. What a flub by the Angels.
0: All right, so what do we say here, <laughs> Fitty baseball man that you are? I still like that the Angels held on to Shohei instead of getting rid of one of the best baseball players anybody has ever seen. I like that they held on to him because it's borderline unforgivable. I understand that you would be getting rid of him for a lot of returning assets. I totally get it. But is anybody going to turn into Shohei? Because it didn't happen in, I don't know, a century before. Yeah. And so that would be really tough to sell that guy and get something in return that is never going to be as good as that guy. Even with them losing seven straight and only winning two of their last ten. I still like the decision, but man, it goes to show how snake bitten that franchise.
2: Well, I mean, I think you look around Major League Baseball and look at two your last four World Series winners, the Nationals and the Braves, and three of the last four teams to make the World Series NL, the Phillies, adding to the, 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 the Nationals and the Braves, they were kind of in the same boat. The Angels were at the trade deadline just a week ago, and they found themselves in the Fall Classic, so it was the right decision. It has just ultimately backfired on them. Now Walker, yeah, yeah we got we got to talk about your boys. <laughs> you know, I've been trying to revive White Sox Walker, and I feel like the visit of the mound has breathed life into your baseball fandom. But I think if you're coming back. You got to come back as a fan of a different team no, because I, I
0: can't do it. I my, my fandom is not for sale, city. You should respect that.
2: Have you seen <laughs> the latest reports coming out of that team's clubhouse involving Tim Anderson, Yasmani Grandal, the GM with a with a with a no rules type of thing in the clubhouse like it is literally what our pre-show is in the fishbowl <laughs> in their clubhouse. No culture. It is utter chaos. Guys threatening to slap guys literally slapping people in the faces. You threaten all the time to pay for me a cab to go home so I don't get to run the show. Mm-hmm. Like, all this stuff is happening, and it's no surprise why they are 46 and 68 in, a, in another embarrassment.
0: So, these reports stemmed from comments made by former White Sox relief pitcher Kenyon Middleton, who was dealt to the Yankees just before the trade deadline. And so, he says that as soon as he was traded to the Yankees, he shaved his face because he was just ready to win games. Like, Now he's holier than thou. I shaved my (laughs) face. Look at me. Now I'm away from the White Sox. Did did they, if there were no rules, were there any rules that you couldn't shave your face in Chicago? Make up your mind, Kenyon. At the same time, it is easy to believe that the White Sox culture is not one that is uh, very beneficial to those players. Now, it's been a mess ever since. I mean, the manager The manager decisions have been a total mess for that organization and so you've seen things like Adam LaRoche. I remember him being mad at the White Sox for not allowing his kid into the clubhouse. And then you had Tony LaRussa come over as the manager. A lot of people hated it because he was going to be this fuddy-duddy that didn't allow any fun and now apparently there aren't any rules that Tony La Russa isn't the manager. We just can't get it right. White Sox can't get it right no matter how hard they try. And this is why I've fallen out of a fandom with baseball.
1: Man, I mean, that's tough, Walker. I mean, I I like the nickname, though, White Sox Walker. Yeah, I
0: know. I would... I That's wanted to come back. I want to be a fan of this team, and I still am. I had a great time at the wedding reception held at Guaranteed Rate right Field. Appreciate <laughs> That's it. such a crap name. Oh, it's the worst! It's it's, it's totally the worst. Comiskey Park, great, legendary. Mm-hmm. U.S. Cellular, bad. But not guaranteed rate field. Yeah. It is so gross, the fact that that is. I can't even get on
1: board with their field. You can make a lot of jokes, too, when they don't win.
0: Well, and the, the manager decision that has gone awry. Let me go off just for a second on the White Sox. What, what sucks so bad is that they had all this talent. Once they trade my favorite baseball player of the last 15 years in Chris Sale and they get all of these prospects and the, and the Charlotte Knights, who can't win in AAA as much, by the way, but they at least bring in a lot of fun prospects and those guys graduate to the major leagues and they can't win and the managers that they bring in can't get the most out of all that talent. No, I'm sorry. that That's White Sox Walker going off. Are we good for visit to the mound do we need to move on before i go off on them anymore
2: i was just gonna uh finish up by saying the Mets snapped their uh their losing streak last night as they beat the cubs 11-2 mm. so that was a what? lot of fun oh, hold on watch. i'm
0: sorry what was that sound bite mm.
1: i need context yeah, i don't know what that is it's just uh mm, mm. that sounds like somebody getting stepped on
0: We find out what that soundbite was coming up next. And it's also time for the live wire sports radio, 92, seven WFNZ.